0: Welcome to the show. You're listening to the Hope Radio Podcast. Real people, real stories, real hope. My name is Sean Davis. I happen to be your humble host. And joining me as always, my co-host in life, my beautiful wife. Her name is... Jess
1: Jen. And
0: you're along with us as we keep this hope train moving on down the tracks. Choo choo! We are hawkers of hope, Jen. We're originators of optimism. We are purveyors of hope positivity and we are lastly engineers of encouragement you put it all together and it spells hope i love that hope i like saying it yes i came up with it (laughs) it was my idea
1: you're awesome
0: well, thank you. You're welcome. That was hard for me to, you know, because I want to deflect. You know, yeah. We talked about that before. You know, you don't want to accept, I'm a recovering narcissist, so yeah, you know, if I can't let that praise stick to me too long, <laughs> otherwise, you know, it could become like that stuff on the bottom of the nonstick pans that sticks and yes. then you can never get out of it again, yeah, you know? Yeah, true. I, I true. can't have that. No, nope. no way to have that. Well, it's a little chillier today.
1: It's cold.
0: I feel like it's one of those days where I can almost see my breath come out yeah. of my mouth. <sighs>
1: I'm snuggled up against a heater. Did yeah. you see it? Yeah, you're...
0: <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully you don't smell it. Hopefully I got good breath. Yeah, you do. Oh, thank you so Aww, much.
1: I'm just full of all the compliments.
0: You are today. Mm-hmm. You must be feeling complimentary.
1: I am very complimentary.
0: Are you hope-filled?
1: I'm always hope-filled. Are you? Yeah, for the most part.
0: Yeah, that that wasn't...
1: <laughs> for, well... There are sometimes I'm not, but like maybe what, for a quick minute.
0: What so for somebody that's always an optimist, mm-hmm. somebody that's typically always happy, what what gets you down? Like, is there anything that is consistent? Is there a consistent like negative?
1: When I can't have cake.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well i know how disciplined you are so you don't have cake very often so otherwise that would mean you're not happy all the time but you find a way to be happy <laughs>
1: yeah, that's right i make pretend cake i make protein cake
0: here's what happens when you miss a workout that you were supposed to have uh-huh. that's oh. when you're not happy oh yeah that yes. happens that happened to me today
1: oh i yeah
0: i i couldn't work out today
1: i know it's my fault
0: <laughs> Jen had an appointment she wanted me to go with her on. So, you know, I took one for the team. I I, I missed my weightlifting this morning. I I missed my pounding. Like, I don't, I don't know if you knew.
1: I, I knew. Sean's my chauffeur. I don't even have a driver's license. <laughs>
0: well, you do, but you let it expire.
1: Well, it's expired, so I don't.
0: <laughs> I guess it's true. If it's expired, you don't really have one. Nope. This is true.
1: I don't. All
0: right. Well, you ready to tell some funnies? I'm ready. You got a joke on tap?
1: I kind of have a joke.
0: You kind of have a joke? Yeah. Well, does that kind of mean you're ready, or does, does that mean you're I'm, not I'm ready? I'm always
1: ready for jokes, but All yeah.
0: righty. Well, why don't you go ahead?
1: Okay. Knock, knock.
0: Who's there? <laughs> Arthur. Arthur who? Are there any leftovers? (laughs) (laughs) Ah, that's a good one.
1: It's kind of a joke, but, you know, because Thanksgiving and Christmas are around the corner.
0: Yes, holidays.
1: Leftovers are better than the real meal. You know, sometimes they
0: are. All the time. They really are. Yeah. Like down in Mexico, uh, like the pizza leftovers the next Mm. day. Oh, my gosh.
1: Pizza's always better the next day. What? I love cold pizza.
0: Really? Yeah. It's always better?
1: Matter of fact, I saw uh, pizza on the stove last night, and if it was still there this morning, I was going to eat it, and it was gone.
0: Jennifer. Somebody ate it. Well, pizza. in our house of four boys, we got three boys that live with us. You know, pizza isn't going to last for very long. Yeah. Highly unlikely it'll make it till the next morning. It didn't. All right, you ready for my joke? I'm ready. All right, what do you call a row of rabbits hopping away?
1: Um, Bye-bye bunnies.
0: <laughs> nope. A receding hairline.
1: <laughs> <laughs> ah, 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 that's funny. But a receding hairline is not funny. No. Yeah.
0: Literally, it's not. No. I'm thankful that I don't have a receding hairline.
1: Right. Like
0: I, I got some good genetics. I s- say I got it from my mom.
1: Bunnies hopping away is, is cute and funny because they have those fluffy tails.
0: I know. I think it's the Indian side of me. <laughs> I think that's the reason why. That you don't like, have- like in the movies. When do you ever see a bald Indian?
1: When they get scalped.
0: Jennifer, no. Yeah. They're the ones that do the scalping. They don't get scalped typically.
1: Well if, they're, you know, well, if they're
0: bad. Well, other than somebody scalping them, when do you see a bald Indian? You just don't, right? So maybe <laughs> it's maybe I get it from that side. Well, maybe. Uh, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> a mystery yet to be solved, yeah, I guess. We'll have
1: to see if our kids have receding hairlines.
0: Uh, Hey, I canceled, rebuke that. They are not going to have that.
1: They're not. They're going to have your Indian hair.
0: Uh. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, let's get on to uh, our interview. Yeah.
1: You always make fun of the name of my tribe.
0: Wailackies.
1: Wailackies.
0: You expect it to be like Cherokee. I feel
1: like it's made up. What? I feel like it's made up.
0: You just, it starts with a W and you get the Aki. So you think it's wacky. Yeah. No.
1: Yeah. Well, you can't say that. If you there's any you other members like, of the tribe. You can't tribe. make fun
0: of my heritage.
1: I just, the name's weird. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe it. I've never seen a movie where they called out the Wailaki Indians.
0: Well, that doesn't mean, just because they're not a famous tribe, doesn't mean that they're not a tribe.
1: Well, who's in your tribe?
0: Other Wailakis.
1: I want to know these people.
0: Well, we'll have to find them, I guess.
1: <laughs> Let's do a search. <laughs>
0: All right, let's move on to uh, our interview today. Today, I've got a fascinating interview. We're going to talk to somebody from Japan. She's actually living in Japan. Her name is Tamara Doren, And this woman, mm-hmm. she likes... Adventure. She likes change. She likes being uncomfortable. She's literally grew up in Australia, moved to Canada, moved to London. Now she's in Japan and usually by herself. All these trips are by herself. So we're gonna talk to her. And I I felt like it would be a great message talking about how to embrace change Mm -hmm. because in the midst of COVID, everyone's dealing with change. This has been a year of change in 2020. So I'm I'm gonna see if we can get some hope nuggets in the conversation about how to deal with change mm-hmm. when you're thrown into uncomfortable situations where uh, really don't know anybody and maybe yeah. you don't have any a lot of resources so we're going to talk to her about that
1: yeah let's do it you ready i'm ready all right
0: let's get her online here we go all right i've got tamra van Doren on the line from japan welcome to the show tamra how are you today
2: I am fantastic. How are you?
0: We are living our best pandemic life in Northern <laughs> California. What do I got to say? The sun is shining, the, the the sky is blue. There's some fresh air. We're not dealing with fires, which is awesome for us right now. So yeah, you know, if I if I were to complain, we'd start to sound like whiners, right, Jen?
1: We don't complain.
0: Yeah, we don't complain. No. We're not whiners.
2: Nope. Nope. Nope.
0: Well, no, so I
2: can't really complain today either. So you know, a Beautiful sunrise to out in the morning. So it's great.
0: <laughs> so for you, I, I can't remember is it, it's 20 hours, I think ahead. So you're already in tomorrow.
1: <gasps> you're in the future. I am. We're talking yeah. to
0: somebody that's you in tomorrow.
1: <laughs> it's like Tomorrowland from Disney. I know.
0: <laughs> I love it.
1: I, the- I
2: sense an accent.
1: Where are you from?
2: So, Australia originally, but I've also lived in Vancouver, Canada, and London, England before Japan. So, my accent is a complete blend.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, wherever you live, you kind of take on a few yeah. attributes of the dialect of that area. So, you are a UK, Canadian, um, you're all Japanese. You're like you're like all the things. I love yeah. it. Like you, you're like a, a blend of all yeah. of the languages. And That's we're why
1: com- we're a big fans of Vancouver, so... That's the most beautiful place ever.
0: Well, I thought what we would do, um, you told me a little bit in our discussion before the show about your life. And, uh, you know, I was just floored at how many places that you've lived and how many places that you've explored. And, you know, I was taken with your ability to just kind of pick up. And move to someplace new. So why don't you, for the benefit of our listeners, give us, you know, uh, let's take the 30,000 foot view, you know, last five, 10 years, the places that you've been, the places that you've lived, etc. And then <laughs> sure, let's, sure. let's dig into a discussion about how to deal with change. Because I think right now in the midst of COVID, you're like one of these excellent examples of like uprooting your life moving somewhere and having no resources and then building a life for yourself. And so I think right now in the midst of, of COVID, that kind of a, of a message, that kind of a story, that kind of experience might help others kind of deal with some of the change that has been thrust upon them in 2020. So uh, give us a 30,000-foot view of your life over the last five or 10 years.
2: <laughs> sure, sure. This is a challenging one. Uh, So yeah, so originally from Australia, uh, I kind of fell into the radio industry, just working as a promo kid, handing out the free stuff. Um, And then from there, that was while I was at university studying creative writing and um, kind of from there built a career in radio. So I started learning how to do on air, started learning how to do music programming, uh, moved interstate for that role. And then decided basically that Australia wasn't really the country for me, that I wanted to live overseas. And that was kind of cemented in my first trip to Europe, which I just, I love that continent, the culture, the history, the architecture. Everything was just more of a fit for me. Um, so that turned into a goal to live permanently in Europe. So uh, at the time, the visas weren't the ideal situation. So I moved to Vancouver in Canada first. Uh, didn't know anyone there. Uh, didn't had never been to Vancouver before, so literally was starting from scratch. Um, and then spent three and a half years there, built up a great network, had a great job, was working in uh, a radio station as a marketing manager, and um, working a lot on partnerships and with high net worth individuals being kind of the target audience. Uh, and then the visa situation in the UK improved, so it was back to two years. So I was like, great time to go to the UK and get to Europe, uh, moved to London, and it was a lot tougher to get set up in London than it had been in Vancouver. Uh, the job market there is a lot more competitive, so it took me about six months uh, before I got a, a really good full-time job there, which ended up being, again, an amazing role where I was running leadership development events for a FTSE 100 insurance company, so working very closely with the executive team on how they would present and cascade their strategic message and goals for the entire company to 10,000 plus employees. Um, And I also ran their uh, Employee of the Year Awards from a central standpoint there as well. So great experience, great connections, loved it, wanted to stay. Um, The visa situation, I would have had to get sponsors. I would have had to change roles. And yeah, despite all of the support in the company, I I applied for eight different roles and interviewed four of them, came second for every single one of them. So it was a clear redirection that this is not the place for you. Uh, Went back to Australia, kind of heartbroken and gutted and thought I'd try and get a job there and try and get back to Europe some way couldn't even get an interview, was told by recruiters that my international experience would go against me. And then, yeah, Japan was the backup plan. So again, I had never lived in Japan, had never been to Japan, didn't know anyone in Japan. Uh, But the one one pro with Japan was that I did have a job to go straight into, which was teaching English. So the original plan was to teach English so I'd have an an income that could pay the bills while I built my own business. Um, in Japan and, and that came with its own set of challenges. <laughs> I would <laughs> yeah. I could
0: only imagine. Um, so I want to go back to something that you could, you said before mm. because I wanted to key in on this because you said, you know, in Australia you came to some sort of realization or conclusion that you knew you didn't want to stay there. What what was that about? Yeah. How did you process that and how did that show up? Because I think sometimes we all get promptings that were unsettled. We don't know exactly why, mm-hmm. but it sound it, it sounds like you figured out what the why was, and I'm curious how you came to that conclusion.
2: Yeah, so for me, it was just, I, I never really felt a connection to Australia. So, so just like culturally, it's a very like outdoor country. It's like everyone loves the heat there. People love the beach. I am not really a beach person unless I am si- sipping a Mai Tai in Jamaica or something on vacation. But <laughs> so day, day to day, day to day is not really my dad. And, you know, I'm more about museums and art galleries and, you know, like food and wine culture and things like that. And and that's very much more the Europe kind of style. And even my favorite city in Australia, Melbourne, is, is known as being the most European uh, city in Australia. So for me, it was just that, that lack of connection to the general culture of Australia for me.
0: Got it. And then so your decision yeah. to... Um to move to Vancouver, so was the idea to go to Canada, kind of like the precursor to trying to be in Europe, trying to be in London, etc. Just because of the culture and the people, and you know, obviously uh, uh, Canada is a is a province of the UK. So was that you, your mindset, or was there some other reason to pull you to to Canada?
2: Yeah, so my brother had been living in uh, Toronto for a couple of years at this point. And my parents were actually going over to visit him. And because of the visa situation with, between Australia and Canada, it's very easy to get um, working holiday visas if you're under 31 and you can continuously renew them. So at the, at the time anyway, you could continuously renew them. So it gave me a long stretch of, of being, of knowing that I, I could be settled, <clears throat> be settled in a place. Um, visa wise which is the big concern um, and when my parents actually came to visit my brother uh, they were doing a bit of a tour of Canada and I remember saying to them okay I'm going to move to Canada because the visas are good um, this is the kind of city I'm looking for so as you're travelling tell me the one that best fits <laughs> basically and that's how I landed on Vancouver um, I did actually consider going to the French province uh, in Canada but because of the language barrier it would have been more difficult for me to get a job there um, which
0: is why I ended up settling on on Vancouver yeah wow that's that that's uh that's that's really cool. we love Vancouver only because you know it's yeah. it's obviously west coast it's closer to us but we we've gone to Whistler we've done the grouse grind you know <laughs> yeah. we, we we kind of liken Vancouver to a Love child between San Francisco and Tahoe. That's what it feels like, you know? It's, it feels like, you know, if San Francisco and Tahoe were to have a love child, it would be Vancouver. That's yes. what it feels like, right?
1: Yes, I love it. Nice. Nice.
0: So, how did you like Vancouver? Did you find it to be culture shock? Mm-hmm. It, was it was it uh, everything you expected it to be? Like, how do you how do you set yourself up yeah. in a new city when you've got no resources? Like, what was that process like?
2: <laughs> So interestingly enough, the, the day that, so I, I'd been single for a while back in Australia, and the day that I put my application for the visa for Canada in the mail, that night I met someone. Yeah. <laughs> so I kind of said to him, I was like, well, look, I don't want to be the girl that kind of gives up on my dreams for a guy. Like, I've got this visa, I can put it off for a year, but either you're coming with me or this is going to be a short term thing. And so he decided to come with me. Um, in between moving from Australia to Vancouver, because of my, like, I was a bit sad about not going to Europe first, I actually spent six weeks in Paris. Mm-hmm. So he was back in Australia, and then we were going to meet in Canada. And during that six weeks, like, it was great conversation, we missed each other a lot. And then when we got to Canada, I kind of expected it to be this big, like, emotional reunion, and it kind of wasn't. So then not only was I in a new city trying to like set up my new life, but I was also kind of dealing with a relationship that was kind of starting to go downhill a little bit. So the resources, that was kind of one of the things that, that kind of kept us together for a little bit longer, I think, was that you know, wanting to pull the resources and it was my first international move. So I was stressing about like, if I break up with him, like am I not going to be able to afford to live here and have this apartment and all of these things that I've kind of locked myself into that I don't yet have a job. So there was all of that going on on top of a brand new city and kind of wanting to explore and wanting to live a life there, but still trying to get a job and trying to get things set up. So yeah, it was, it was a little bit complicated to start off and, then kind of as I got into life and, and eventually got a job, got more stable, the relationship ended, kind of uh, had a group of friends, moved to a new place and yeah, started to really live life there and, and build a network and build connections. And and in a city like uh, Vancouver, networking, which I love, is a huge thing in that city. So there are numerous events daily if, and, and weekly that you can go and meet different business people in different industries. So that really played to my strengths. Uh, the outdoor side of things, I probably wasn't as connected with, um, which is which is why again London was still that draw card there. But um, but yeah, I really enjoyed uh, Vancouver as a city because it, it's it's a big international city, but it also kind of has like a small community feel to it as well. I feel.
0: So, yeah, yeah. I, I, I believe that. So what I'm realizing about you is you need to be in an, in a. Uh in a museum slash you know uh, art slash etc. Yes. Yeah. You know with maybe a side helping of nature or adventure, but you know like you 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 like culture, you like you know yes. uh, yeah artistry, you like urban, you like that kind of stuff. You don't like the beach and don't like the uh, the mountains and the trees. Of- it's
2: interesting. Actually. Go ahead. Yeah, it's interesting because I'm actually like i am recently gone a little bit more into health and fitness. So I did like my first hike about a month or so ago and I actually kind of liked it. So I'm, I'm actually getting a little bit more into that kind of outdoorsy side of things. But yeah, as far as like the activities that I like to do, like I do like to go to art galleries and I do like to you know go to um, theater shows or like Broadway shows and, and musicals and things like that. Um, food and wine is a big part of, of culture that I love, which is why I love Europe. Like that kind of cheese and wine dinner, it's like perfect for me. So yeah.
0: Well, Jen Jen's a big foodie herself, so she she wakes up nice. thinking about food. She goes to sleep thinking about food. She dreams about food. She plans food. She makes food. She's all the food. Yeah, she's in she's yeah. in all the food. But she you know she's she's a serious athlete too. So she's she's outside and outdoors and hiking. And we're on. A, what's funny is that Jen and I are on over 1,600 days of running, walking, or jogging at least a mile a day. We've had a streak for four and a half. Years wow. where we uh, we we get connected with nature, and I, I got to say, for us, you know, at least in twenty twenty, uh, we live in the foothills of Northern California, so we're in Gold Country. We're about forty five miles away from um, Lake Tahoe. And so as a result of that, we're right in, in the pine trees. And so for us, getting outside has been so good. It's been yeah. so grounding. I mean, 2020 is a challenging year to be going to museums and, right, you know, uh, art yeah. festivals, et cetera. So we've we've very much enjoyed uh, being outside, being in nature, mm-hmm. feeling grounded, feeling fresh air, et cetera, not worrying about COVID. It's just been, exactly. uh, co- we're trying to do everything we can to keep COVID out of the mind, right? Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's actually one good thing about Japan is because, There's maybe not as many museums and things here, but you've got the temples and shrines, Mm -hmm. which are all outdoor areas that you can kind of go and explore. So, yeah, I've I've been really enjoying getting into that in in Japan culture for sure. That's probably my favorite thing about Japan, actually, is the temples and shrines.
0: What I think is most intriguing to me and I think would be intriguing to Jen as well about what you're doing and what you've done is just being able to explore You know, I think we're so, Jen and I are both explorers. Mm -hmm. Like we like seeing new places. We have a, we have a place down in Cabo and, and you know, like when we first sat that up to be down there and to go down this street or that street and see this and see that and see graffiti and see art and see, you know, different restaurants and like this, all of it's new. It's yes. you know, you 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 feel like you're yeah. you're a modern day explorer. What can I find? You yeah. know, what what little hole in the wall place can we find to eat? What cool little respite place can we find, etc. So, is I, that part of? Go ahead. Jen. I,
1: I think that's why we like to move as well. Yeah, you know.
0: Yeah. D- different scenery, yeah. Different scenery, well, different she she's taken it to an extreme though. Well, like yeah. we move we move five miles down the road <laughs> or ten miles or whatever. <laughs> she's like, um, let me go to Antarctica. Let me go yeah. to uh now I'm gonna go to Columbia. And well, then- we
1: we'd probably do that if we didn't have small kids in school. Yeah. Like you and I are true. the type that would say, Okay, <laughs> let's move to Australia. All right, let's go. <laughs> so we're yeah. we're on board, we do it.
0: So you you certainly to say the least aren't someone that's afraid of change like you you no. just pick up I've got this idea I'm gonna head this direction has that always been the way that you are or as you kind of grew into an adult did you realize you know what life's too short I'm, I'm just gonna seize the world by the tail here and and uh, go wherever I want to go like how, did you have you always been that way or did you develop this mindset?
2: Yeah, I think maybe a little bit of both. Like like I was always a little bit fearless as a child. Like my earliest memory as a child actually is I was about four years old, my parents tell me. And uh, my dad and my parents, they were having like a pool party. And a few of my dad's friends around, you know, boys being boys, they picked him up and thrown him in the pool. And when he came out of the pool, he had like two tiny little red dots on his ankle where his ankle had just lightly grazed the edge of the pool. And I was livid. I stormed up to his friends, little four-year-old girl, stormed up to his friends, hands on hips. And I'm like, you hurt my dad right. And <laughs> I ripped into them. <laughs> and they're just standing there like shell-shocked, not knowing what to do. So that is my earliest memory as a child. So I think I was always quite fearless. But um, I think the the explorer thing kind of came in maybe a little bit later, that, that curiosity. Like when I was a child, I did a lot of acting as well. So um, improvisation is part of that, which probably has had an effect on my ability to deal with change and to kind of just roll with the punches and go with the flow. So I think it's it's a little bit of both where I've always had that kind of fearless, like even curiosity. I was an avid reader as a kid. Like I was the kid that was in the closet with a torch until 1am reading books. So I've always had that kind of curiosity and interest and fearlessness. Um, but I think, yeah, the more I got out into the world and, and kind of learned what's out there, the the more that kind of like was looking for, for things to absorb, I guess, yeah.
0: Well, for the benefit of our listeners here in the States, I will just uh, qualify and clarify that when you say you had a torch <laughs> under the blanket, I'm, I just make sure that my, yes, my flashlight. listeners don't, don't, don't understand that that's not something that produces fire. <laughs> that's your version of a, of a flashlight.
2: <laughs> Jen and I both yeah, laughed. Exactly. We lo- flashlight. Yeah. <laughs> we, we love
0: the term gutted. When people say gutted, you also said that I just felt gutted, you know, disappointed, <laughs> yeah. etc. Yeah. Jen, Jen, Jen smiled at me, but, uh, so when you go to a new place, like what's the first thing <laughs> yeah. that you anticipate doing? What's I mean, have you developed a routine? You're landing in Vancouver. What's yes. you know, like the like I guess what for fun or for some sort of uh, exploration? Like what's the first thing that mm. you do when you get into a new place, a new city?
2: Yeah. So I am a massive researcher. So whenever I, I'm even considering moving to a new country or a new city. I will start a spreadsheet. (laughs) So (laughs) so in that spreadsheet, I have like, How much is the rent going to be? Oh, what are the nice areas to live in? What are the nice neighborhoods? What are the neighborhoods I should stay away from? How much is public transport going to be? How much is the groceries going to be? And I will literally Google the crap out of all of it. (laughs) Right down to like, I'll be on Google Maps and I'll be like street zooming in to like check out different streets. And oh yeah, that'll be my local bakery if I live on this street. And like, I will literally go into that detail. So like, what kind of events can I go to? And things like that. So I'm a massive researcher. so that's where it kind of starts for me um because for me i'm looking at like what is going to be the actual cost of living there just so i can get like a ballpark figure and then i'll start looking at like particularly if it's a city where i don't have a job to go to start looking at okay what kind of jobs are available in that city that i would want to apply for and what's the money so that i can kind of put those two together and see what kind of life i could live with the job that i might get
0: got it And so, Uh, yes, with all that research, what has been the biggest surprises that you've uncovered that your research didn't tell you, whether it was Vancouver, whether it was, you know, uh, Japan or whatever? What was the biggest kind of, oh, my gosh, I didn't know this or, oh, my gosh, I didn't anticipate that. I'm sure there's had to been something like that.
2: Yeah, I think it was actually with my moves to Japan. So um, I think maybe I've gotten to this false sense of like every big city in the world has business networking events. So that's just something I don't have to research um, because Vancouver and London, they're both huge networking cities and there's always different events to go to. Um, When I got to Japan, and maybe because my frame of mind was still a bit kind of like not fully switched on and not fully myself from the disappointment of not getting to stay in the UK. Um, But when I got here and I tried to find networking events to go to because I came here to start a business, so I wanted to build that business network again. There were none, like there's maybe one every five, four or six weeks that is an English speaking business networking event. And even the events that you go to here, they're kind of, they're foreigners that have been somewhat Japanified. So they're more focused on (laughs) the, and I don't mean that, That's that's not a complete negative, by the way, but they're kind of focused on the way Japan does business. And if you're not wanting to do business in Japan, then they're not really that interested in kind of like, associated with you and they're doing business in a very traditional Japanese way rather than being innovative or thinking differently or being interested in self-development and things like that, which is what my business is built around. So yeah, that that was a big shock for me and it made probably the first, first year to a year and a half really, really difficult for me in Japan um, because I didn't have that business network to to communicate with and to help kind of fuel me to, to build my business. So I felt like I was failing and like all I could associate with were like 20 year old kind of uh, English teachers. So yeah, it was, it was tough. <laughs>
0: now, uh, you know, in that regard, when you're going into a completely different culture, you know, I, I imagine mm. that there's always going to be, some things that you don't anticipate, things that you didn't think to research and or to to look for. So when you when you went to yeah. Japan, not just from a business perspective, and I'll, I'll make sure all of our listeners know that you're a coach, like you're a you're a, a personal development coach, like that's that's what you do for a living. So when you network, etc., you're trying to help people, and that's that's how you were trying to grow your business. But when you're going into a into a new environment like that, I imagine that there's got to be several different culture shock. types type situation. So what what was that for you in Japan and how did you handle that challenge?
2: Yeah, yeah. So so networking for me it's not just about building my business, it's also about just having that support network because when you are working on building a business, like you need that because it's tough. So it's it's about kind of yeah, building my business but also just having people around me that I can have those business conversations with that yeah, in Japan, I, I didn't have that. But then also there was there was so many other culture shocks I was not prepared for. So the language barrier I knew would be difficult. So I, I had Google Translate ready. I had bought a SIM card uh, that as soon as I landed would be activated. So I would straight away have internet to be able to use Google Maps and be able to use Google Translate so that I wouldn't get lost. Um, so that I was prepared for. What I wasn't prepared for was how manual a lot of the uh, processes are in Japan. So, for example, you still have a gas man that will come and connect your gas, and then you will have to have a conversation with him on your first day in Japan on how the gas works, <laughs> all in Japanese, all through Google Translate. So that I was like, okay, cool. So Google Translate, there's a solution here. Going grocery shopping took me twice as long because everything is in foreign characters. Uh, When I travel to Europe or or countries like that where at least they use a very similar alphabet, you can kind of guess what things are. But in Japan, not only is it completely different characters, but there are three alphabets here. Mm. There's three alphabets in Japan? Yeah, yeah. There is hiragana, katakana, and Mm. (laughs) Kanji.
0: Wow.
2: (laughs) Three different alphabets, yeah. So even things like grocery shopping were taking twice as long. Like there was no more just like pop to the store to grab a couple of things. You had to plan it out. So, uh, yeah, forms like city hall signing up for things all in Japanese, all Japanese forms that you have to fill out. So, again, that takes a lot longer. And Um, so you you had to learn how to
0: write mm. in Japanese. Like you'd use Google Translate and then you had to to try to write the characters that they... (laughs) Used to communicate. That had to have been difficult too.
2: So, so kind of, kind of, because I kind of start writing them and it was like me copying like some foreign random text. And it would take me so long to do it that half the time they would just be like, oh, I'll write for you. <laughs> yeah. oh. So it was kind of learning how to, and kind of like them helping me a bit. So yeah.
0: <laughs> now Japan is a very, very conservative culture, right? Mm -hmm. Like very, very modest, very conservative honor, character integrity, you know, so what was that like, you know, as a Westerner, just arriving as a female even, you know, because I think it's a very male led culture as well. So how did you, how did you respond to that? Or how did you deal with that?
2: Yeah. And that was one of the biggest challenges because I didn't realize just how, like it, it's, a, it's a common kind of um, saying for, from foreigners that have been living in Japan for a while is that Japan kind of in, the, in those traditional roles is about 20, 30 years behind the rest of the world. So the traditional roles are still very much that the man is the breadwinner and he is married to the company and works night and day for the company and does not question that. And the, the woman is the housewife. so she might have a part-time job, but if she gets pregnant, she will generally resign from her job and become a housewife. And that's a common kind of thing. Um, so I think me kind of coming in as like you know strong independent single woman who travels and does all these things by herself, <laughs> trying to try trying to build a, a business around you know what's your uniqueness and you know how can you use that superpower to so like fulfill your dreams and what are your dreams? Those are the kind of things that, But a lot of people here have never asked themselves. So coming into that environment and trying to be really respectful of the culture. So I did start dressing more conservatively. I was more polite and I was trying to really fit into that. But at the same time, I was finding that imbalance with trying to also be authentically myself. Because I am a little bit more outspoken and a little bit more adventurous and fearless. And, you know, at times I'm a little more sensual than is probably deemed appropriate here. So it was, yeah, it became quite, quite a t- It took quite a toll on me. Like I came here to unleash myself and, and kind of build a business around who I wanted to be and the kind of people I wanted to serve and work with. But at the same time, the culture was, it felt like it was squashing me into a box a little bit as well. So, so dealing with that was really tough initially. And now I'm in a place where I'm starting to look at the differences in culture as lessons and how can this be applied in a positive way. And there are definitely positives. Like with COVID, that's been a prime example of the way Japan has been able to curb it a lot quicker than some of the Western countries in the world. Is evidence of how that culture can be an absolute positive. So I've started to look at things differently. I do have a business network now of people I can have those, those inspiring conversations with. And it has changed a lot for me now. But in that first, that first kind of year, year and a half, it was really difficult, really difficult to kind of find how I could be respectful, but also be me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. Jen, Jen would have difficulty there. She's a yeah. Viking warrior princess with an axe and a sword. <laughs> right, and and yeah. you, don't, you don't put her into a box or put her into a corner. That's for sure. And no. she's blonde haired. And so like in that, in that culture, I think she would stand out like a, like a, like a sore thumb and, and, and then act like a,
1: <laughs> I would hire a Japanese friend.
0: You would hire for yeah. what?
1: Yeah. To just do everything and help me and I would just follow him or her around and I would keep it simple.
2: That's what I would so do. You can't actually do that. I actually hired a, a Japanese virtual assistant to help yes. me with things like calling my rental company to find out how do I get this free internet that's apparently included. Like, Yeah, I would just want to be like a shadow
1: and just follow this person around yeah. and, you know, they would live with me and I would, I would make it easy on me. Yeah, I don't want to figure it all out. I just want to like follow someone around like a puppy dog. <laughs>
0: but but in that culture, I mean, like like to her point, I yeah. mean, there's a big there's they're very conservative. So mm-hmm. how you dress, what you what you wear, how you speak, how you conduct yourself, you yeah. know, yeah. those types of things uh, matter, yeah. and, you know, and sometimes yeah. you can you can you can be chastised and or y- you even mentioned discriminated against to some degree, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, like even even some things like blowing your nose in public is considered rude here. Oh, I Showing think it's your rude shoulders here. <laughs> is considered rude. Yeah, yeah. Well yeah. when the when the alternative is them like hopping it up, trust oh. me, blowing the nose is uh, more preferable. Yeah. I don't want to hear or see any
1: nose things happening in public. Yeah. Like, yeah. Go to the bathroom. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but like what, what else was yes. a surprise to you? I mean, mm. you had to learn that because I'm sure people just looked at you the first time that you did that. That's probably not <laughs> something you were able to research, right? So did you get a whole bunch of stairs? No, I the did. First? I did actually research.
2: I okay. did actually research what was yeah What yeah. not to do
0: in Japan. She's
1: very organized. She's got her spreadsheets. She knows what to do yep. and what not to do. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, I you know, I just got to believe that you can't anticipate everything. Yeah. There's some stuff, you know, there's three schools of knowledge yeah. the stuff you know you know, yeah. the stuff you know you don't know. Yeah. And then I didn't know I didn't know that. So I know that some of that, I didn't know I didn't know that. Well, you want to
1: make sure you don't make mistakes. So
0: well, you, you have
2: to be prepared. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You don't want to make yeah, big mistakes. Yeah, I don't want to get saying,
2: in trouble. Yeah. And in saying that, yeah, the part that I didn't anticipate was that even if I follow all the rules, I'm still going to be different and still going to be. By some people, hated mm-hmm. just for being a foreigner. So, like, one experience I had here, which it's going to forever stand out in my mind. I was riding my bike, and this is like I bought a bike here, and it was the first time I'd had a bike in about 20 years. So, I was not super confident on it yet. <laughs> and I was riding on the sidewalk, which is not uncommon here either. And I saw a guy kind of power walking, he was in like his gym gear, obviously out for a walk, and kind of power walking with a very serious face. Um, look on his face. And, and so I pulled over as far as I could and kind of put my foot down. And good thing I did, because even though he had a good meter of pavement on the other side of me, that he could have taken a half step and easily not even touched me or come into contact. He elbowed me with his shoulder as he walked past.
1: Oh my gosh. And I had
2: I not had my foot on the ground, I would have fallen over. What did you do? And the look on, <laughs> the look on his face, like just the, the, Anger, like the anger on his face, wow. I will never forget it. Wow. And I had never ever experienced anything like that in my entire life in any of the countries I'd ever visited. And that was, I was in shock, to be honest. I was like, did that just happen? Like, and, and it, was, it was kind of a bit of a turning point for me where I, it was like, okay, so even if I try and do everything correctly, I'm still going to get weird looks on the train. I'm going to have incidents like this happen. I'm still going to be like, I've had babies cry because they see me like it's just not, they're not used to seeing foreigner faces. And I went to my brother's wedding in Jamaica and I was around my family. And it was actually probably the first proper just vacation I've had in a good couple of years. Because I have this tendency to plan trips around like conferences or like business related things. And I was talking to my parents about it. And somewhere along that trip, I reached the conclusion of, hey, screw this. Like, I am not going to put myself in a box box and punish myself and hold back who I am when I'm going to be hated for it anyway or treated differently for it anyway. And so I kind of came back with, I'll admit, a bit of a jaded kind of view of Japan and life here. But I came back and just, you know, if I'm going to show my shoulders, it's not the end of the world. Nothing horrible is going to happen. If I want to blow my nose on the train, I'll do it politely. But it's, nothing horrible is going to happen. This is not a life or death thing. And... I started being more selective around how I was respectful, but still maintaining a, like a, a sense of who I was and being the strong woman that I was. Yeah. I agree. So that was a big turning point and, and that helped with dealing with some of that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. I th- I, I'm not th- taking
2: it so personally.
0: Yeah, I think uh, you know something like that would happen to Jen. I, I know my wife; she she she'd be punching <laughs> yeah. somebody in the throat, like oh, yeah. she'd be, uh, I'd be, and then I <laughs> yeah. and then I'd have to be picking up the pieces of of whatever happened. You know, I'd have to be solving the problems.
1: Yeah, I I don't that yeah. that would take some getting used to, but yeah, I I my yeah. automatic response would be to fight back, like someone just elbowed me.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't think we've ever yeah, been in a well, situation. I
2: think it was just on shock.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: right. Yeah. yeah, you'd be surprised, like you didn't expect that. That's not something you hey
1: no, and I would have like ran him over with my bicycle. <laughs>
0: you would have given him the Italian and finger. Said, Oopsie. You would have been like <laughs>
1: Oopsie. I don't know how to ride my bicycle. Very hey, you well. are a
0: rule follower. The last thing in the world you would have wanted to do is end up in a Japanese prison. Or but you know jail what?
1: I stand up for myself no matter what, where I'm at. I'm not going to just sit there and let somebody elbow me and know that he did that on purpose.
0: See, I know what it's like to be with the strong yeah, woman right yeah. there. And look at that. Like, I just she's... can't.
1: It's a natural reaction from yeah. me. Like I, it's really hard yeah. for me just to sit back. Like I know me, like my reaction is to fight. I mean, if someone scares me, I just start fighting. It's, it's the weirdest thing yeah just,
0: yeah that's no just I, me. I agree so so here's a here's a different question so given your experiences mm. given given all that you've kind of uh dealt with now you're a coach you help people you 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 help coach uh individuals executives etc so how would you how do you coach somebody to deal with change yeah. you know because there's a lot of change going on right now mm-hmm. in the world a lot of uncertainty. A lot of challenges. 2020 has brought its fair share of challenges. And so, you know, put on your coach's hat right now and for the benefit of our listeners and and given your experience of, you know, traipsing all over the world, etc. So, you know, what are the top two or three things that you would suggest that people do to help acclimate to an ever increasingly challenging and changing world?
2: Yeah, so I think I think one of the first things is like research. So make sure you have the information that you need to be able to make the decision that you need to make. And then the second thing is, it's actually an exercise I did with a client recently. Um, and it's around, like, what is the worst that could happen? So an, an activity or an exercise that I like to do is, okay, what is the decision that you're struggling with? Because a lot of it comes from fear, that resistance to change, it comes from fear. So what is the worst thing that could possibly happen? And I get, I get my clients to write down three like worst case scenarios of this situation. Uh, sorry, my dog's barking at the door there. But, um, yeah, so three worst case scenarios. And then what is the possible gift? What is the possible opportunity in that? So, for example, uh, if it's a promotion, a job that maybe you're not sure you're ready for, which is the case of one of my clients, what are the three worst things that could happen? Okay, you could fail. Okay, what could be the learnings from that? What could be the gift? You could, um, uh, what was one of the other ones? You could uh, lose your job, I guess. So, okay, what, what could be the gifts from that? Okay, it opens opportunities for something else. Something better, so I, I feel like there's always a gift and an opportunity in the negatives that we perceive around different different changes and different situations. So doing that exercise can really help take that fear out of the situation, and it can make that change and that choice a hell of a lot easier.
0: I love that. I, I think that that's a really, really wow. uh, good piece of, of advice. Wow. I, th- I think, you know, I've not heard somebody actually explain it mm-hmm. that way, you know, because a lot of time, times people fear, oh, this may happen or that may happen, but they don't go the step further to go, okay, what, what is the what what is the nugget of gold, you know, for my benefit that could yeah. come out of that? Because people, y- you know, I think people have a hard time understanding that some of the best...
2: Yeah, and life- I, you know, just, I was just going to say, I just finished doing a, a training actually called Positive Intelligence with Shazad Chamini. and that actually works a lot on that of like the saboteur side of your brain which is what focuses on those negatives and then the sage side of your brain um, which focuses on what is the gift and what is the opportunity so so trainings like that too are really powerful in shifting that mindset and that ability to because it's, it, it's, it's to do with the neuroscience and brain muscles actually of which pathways those thoughts go down and building that strengthening, uh, strengthening that side that goes to the more positive stage side. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, I, th- I think that that's, uh, that that's the point that I think you needed to make. And I, I think I was trying to make it in a different oh. way is just this idea that <laughs> through all of adversity, there's always going to be some sort of a lesson that comes out of it, some sort of, oh. uh, of yeah. uh, a, a nugget of goodness, you know, through the trials and tribulations. So for example, you know, just take anything like uh, basic physicality or exercise, you know, you got to go through the pain, to get the results that you want you know what what you're dealing with is you're dealing with a struggle to move past where you've been to try to get to where you want to go but the process of doing that creates friction it creates challenges it creates pain it creates soreness etc but you got to go through that well what's the good of the pain well the good of the pain is i'm going to change how i look or i'm going to change how i eat or i'm going to do this or that and so i think relative to to covid and you know, we've had civil unrest here in the States. We, you know, we've got a pandemic, we've got an election year, we've got challenges there. We, you know, like the list keeps going on and on and on. Now we've got a resurgence. And so I think that there's businesses out there that are, are struggling. And I think the biggest fear is, is financial fear, financial pressure. What if I lose my house? Mm. What if I lose my job? What if I, you know, what if I can't work, et cetera, but people will worry about the, what if, but not go a step further. Mm-hmm. Okay, if I did lose my job, what does that mean? Does that mean I'm never going to get another job? Does it mean that I'm not going to, you know, for example, with with me, I spent 22 years in the financial services industry. You know, there was a point where for several years, I had a very lucrative, very beneficial way of generating leads. And I would worry what would happen if that dried up? What if it went away? I did radio broadcasting, yeah. you know, and it was very lucrative. And it, and it did towards the end of my career start to wane. And so, you know, I'd always worry about what if the what if the uh, golden goose stops laying eggs, right? And so, but I never thought about what would happen after that. Well, if it did, what does that mean? You know, like right now, I ended up selling the business and now I'm doing something called Hope Radio. I never felt more connected to my purpose than ever before. That doesn't necessarily mean I'm making the same money, but it just means the life is different. So, I think that people yeah. need to understand that uh through adversity that a lot of of blessings can come through the challenges of adversity, you know, that it will reveal and or grow you. And the other thing is you can't, you can't grow without adversity. You know, there's no way that you can reach another level, a higher level or rise without dealing with some sort of adversity in your life.
2: Yeah, exactly. And like the two examples for me was like not getting that sponsorship in London, like that, pushed me into finally starting my own business because I had been kind of thinking about it as something I might want to do in the future. But when you're working in radio and you're getting you know, free concert tickets and you're going to gala events and then you're working in, in events in London, you're going to rooftop parties for free. Like there's not a lot of motivation to leave all of that. So that was the push that I needed to go into starting my own business. And now that I've done that, I would never go back
0: to, yeah. to
2: working for someone else as, as a career. And then even with that that kind of discrimination, that that shoulder jab that I experienced, I'm actually really grateful for that because it's given me a better understanding of people who have had to deal with any level of racism or discrimination on a daily basis for their entire life. Mm. Now, I will never fully understand how difficult that can be, but that tiny taste of it has given me a taste, like just a, a small sample of how that must feel to experience that. And I'm so grateful for that.
0: Yeah, I could, I could see that because, you know, here's just the way that you talked about it. It wasn't just the, the leaning in and the shoulder bump. It was the way he looked at you. Like there was disdain. There was, you know, possibly hatred or, you know, uh, vitriol that was coming through his eyes. And so to, to have for no other reason other than the way you look or your nationality or the fact that you're there to have somebody view you as something less than, or be angry with you. Like, I haven't felt that. Like, I don't think Jen and I have ever been in a situation where where somebody for no reason just discriminated against us because of the way we look or where we are or who we are, you know? And I think that that's a, a it's a powerful thing. You're right. That little taste gives you a lot more empathy yeah. for somebody that's had to deal with that throughout their whole life.
1: I think we have felt that, though. Like when? Just being in L.A., yeah, being in like, you know, on Rodeo Drive or like, you know, you're not dressed to the nines or you're not fancy. It's still the same kind of thing. Like you're looked down upon because you yeah. are, you know, not carrying a Gucci bag or whatever the heck they carry, you know, it's like, it's kind of the same thing. If you're in a different kind of class than yeah, somebody,
0: I think that there is class envy. Yeah. I think that there can be class discrimination. But mm-hmm. I mean, it's it. I think it's more pronounced for her though to be in be in a situation yeah. where you're in a different country where for no other reason f- other than just physically the way you yeah. look. Not only not only was there disdain, but there was mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. anger. There was right, like there right. was like yeah. you know like you can somebody can be snooty towards you, yeah. but they're not necessarily yeah. going to be like. Like I would really like to punch you in the face right now, kind of a look. I
1: don't know, girls yeah. are very mean. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sounds like you got a personal experience you want to share, Jen.
1: Girls are very mean.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know the catty girls, right?
1: Yep, yep.
0: <laughs> My wife's one of the strongest people I know. She she don't put up with much, so no, no. you know.
1: Yeah, I, you have to stand up I can for yourself. Tell I love it. Yeah, you, if you don't stand up for yourself, then you're going to get walked all over and you know what? You have to set an example for your kids too. Stand up for yourself. There will be no bullying allowed ever.
0: (laughs) Yeah. we we got four boys. Like you're you're even talking to our boys. Like you stand up. Yeah.
1: That's right.
0: (laughs) No, I thought that was a a great piece, uh, Tamara. You know, just talking about, you know, how to kind of readjust your your attitude and your perspective regarding you know kind of the worry that you have you know Mm -hmm. if you're worried about xyz okay take it a step further what are you worried about why are you worried what what are the possible two or three Mm -hmm. outcomes that could happen and then based on those outcomes what could you learn or what are the nuggets that you can mine and and incorporate in your life moving forward i think that that is uh absolutely awesome great great way to uh to kind of bring our show to a close. And so any other advice that you would give for encountering uh, change as people kind of navigate 2020 heading into 2021, anything else that you think that uh, would be a good nugget of, of encouragement for somebody?
2: Yeah, I think it's just that there's more hope and opportunity in starting from nothing than there is in the loss from what I've experienced. And that comes from moving countries three times and having to start all over again with no network, no, get a brand new place to live, maybe some savings. And there were times too, even even in the past few months, this year, there's been times where I have literally been down to my last few cents and I've had to calculate like, what can I actually afford to buy at the grocery store this week. So I've been in those moments and I get it. It can be scary. It can be tough. But remember that, you can only go up from there. So, so be careful and be strategic about how you invest your money and how you kind of use that last amount. But, but also take care of yourself first. Like if, if you're worried about the loss and you're focused on the loss, you will attract more loss. I can guarantee you that. But if you're focused on the hope and you're focused on the opportunity, you will find ways to get to that. That is what your brain, your brain is programmed to what you're focused on. Whatever the problem is, it will help you find the solution to get to that hope and to get to that opportunity. So, So that would be my advice is, yeah, always look for that hope and opportunity in there.
0: The law of attraction. Yes. You know, I love that. You yeah, know, what you I think about, it. you draw in. <laughs> what you think about, you you manifest. And so, yeah, we're big yeah. believers in that and uh, subscribe to that as well. Well, thank you so much. This has been so much fun talking to you about your experiences and your life and what you got going on. Thank you for being an awesome hope dealer for our yes. Hope Radio podcast. We enjoyed <laughs> the, uh, the interview very much.
2: Absolutely a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. Thank you.
0: All right, Jim, what do you think? You want to move to Japan or what?
1: I do want to move to Japan for a quick minute.
0: For a quick minute, yeah, yeah. So for like two weeks, in other words, a vacation.
1: Exactly.
0: <laughs> Tamara, man, she's she's got some uh, gumption. She yeah. just picks up and goes someplace and goes, "Okay, I'm here." I'm glad she does a lot of research before it, but like, right. I was super curious. Like, you can't research everything. There's no. the stuff you didn't know you didn't know. Right, you, know? you learn so, while you're there. Some surprises in mm-hmm. there, but uh, I did get a, I did get a really good hope nugget out of that conversation. What was your hope nugget? My hope nugget was this. It's that idea of taking that that fear-based mentality. So right now, a lot of people have a lot of reasons to be anxious and mm-hmm. or unnerved, right. whether it's health fear, whether it's job loss fear, whether it's money fears or money problems, whatever it is, there's a lot to kind of occupy your thoughts negatively right. right now. And so she, what I loved about it is she says, okay, let's let's sit down and, and, and think about that. So what are you worried about? What is the primary fear? List it. And then if that were to happen, mm-hmm. let's imagine that that were to happen, what good could come out of that situation? That was the missing piece because yeah. I think that that tempers it to some degree. It's it like, does. okay, if, you, if you're worried about, you know, I'm worried about losing my job. Well, if I lose my job, what's good that could come out of that mm-hmm. well i might find my purpose i might find a better job i might find you know a job that makes me more happy i might find a better boss or coworker you know like you could list some positive attributes out of yeah. that I that like could that. come you know mm-hmm. like you know, I just, I just think that this is the year of, of pivoting and thinking positive and yeah. not always fixating on the negative. And, and I did like, she also said, you know, you do attract what you think about, like right. that whole law of attraction. It's true. If you're always fearful, always worried, worried about something bad happening, it's almost like all that mental energy into bad, 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 mm-hmm. you're going to attract that, yep. you know, exactly. I, I believe that. So I, do too. I thought it was a, a good conversation. Very interesting.
1: Very interesting. Yeah.
0: Uh, nice. Interesting to be in Japan riding a bike and having somebody shove you. <laughs> How Can can you imagine? No. I would end up in jail because you'd start punching people. I just know it. Like, you know, I know you're on the Hope Radio podcast, but you are a Viking warrior princess with an axe and a sword, and you don't mess around. I don't.
1: I I stand up for myself. That's the whole thing. It's like I am that one person that is not going to walk away. Like, I'm not – it's not okay. Yeah. Like, I will turn around and be like, what the heck? Like, I want to know, did I do something? Like, what did I do wrong? I want to know. Like, I'm not going to just – yeah, he, like walk away. I'm well, just in all fairness
0: to Tamara, I mean, in that situation when you're there, like yeah. all of a sudden you're just startled, you're shocked. I mean, mm-hmm. she probably went through a hundred different yeah, ways she true. could have, she could have handled it differently or Very would have handled true. it differently if it had handled, happened again. But like you just startled, you're yeah. not expecting it. So like in I that think moment, it's my
1: natural reaction though in general, anyways. Yeah. So it doesn't matter for me personally where I'm at, what situation I'm at. It's just my automatic reaction. <sighs> Is to like turn and fight, like oh Lordy, I don't know. do, I'm do ma- I know? I'm a bear. Like you
0: almost got me in prison down in Mexico. Yes, I swear. I did. did somebody was mouthing off. We thought mouthing off negatively to our son, and boy, <laughs> Jen had a few words for this guy. Next thing you know, I'm was, I'm walking yeah. towards him, giving him my two cents. And Jen's Jen's got. I mean, it's one of those slow motion movies, like you know, Bo Derek <laughs> on the beach, you know, with flip flops. Though she's running toward me, like she's gonna she's gonna protect me if this thing escalates down yeah. in Mexico. And I'm like oh, Lordy, please help me not land up in jail. I was going to
1: fight him. He was probably about three times the size of me. Yeah. And he was drunk and I was going to get him. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't care. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I don't talk to my kids. Don't talk to my friends. What about me? Very negative. He was mouthing off to me. He wasn't not mouthing off to you. All right. He was. He I was, was
0: the one good. walking over there to, to handle the situation. Little did yeah. I know I had my Viking, you know, wife like that's, about w- to that's one thing like if, I, if i'm upset
1: sean always like he he takes it he's like okay <laughs> i get you upset <laughs> and then you're upset and then we're both upset and then we're both gonna fight
0: yeah so that's just her nature but uh, i was going
1: there to protect you i know because i knew i could like take them
0: yeah yeah well, does that mean you didn't think i could
1: i just knew i could <laughs> you know what i mean like regardless of what there was two guys in you know hey there was two of them
0: i've watched a couple karate movies what are you talking about
1: I am the Karate Kid.
0: You are so funny. (laughs) All right. So if people want to hear more of our hilarity, how do they do so, Jen?
1: They can tune us in on... iTunes? (laughs) Well, I was thinking.
0: Hope Radio Podcast on iTunes?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That.
0: Google Play? Google Play. Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud? I just wanted you to tell them. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently. All right. So how do people connect with us on social media if they want to send us uh, a message?
1: We are on Hope Radio Podcast on Facebook and Instagram.
0: Well, here's what I know, Jen. I had so much fun today. I think Mm -hmm. that that we should endeavor to book another interview. Let's do this again tomorrow.
1: I'm available.
0: Are you? Yes. Let's make it happen. Okay.